Hey man, you want to play the Candyman Land game? Candyman? It's ca- Candyman Man, man. Candyman. Candyland. Candyman. Oh, Ra- Randy Landy. Candyman. That's what I said, Landy Man. Candyman. Candyman? I choo choo choose you, Helen. Here comes the spooky! I heard you were looking for Candyman, bitch. No, I'm. No, what? No, I'm. I'm looking for my buddy, Cincinnati Jeff. What's going on, Chuds and Shudettes? Here comes the Spookies back. This time with episode 35. Today we're going to talk about Black History Month in the genre of horror. Before we hop over to Caprini Green and find out why Candyman hates bees. So sit back, relax, tie that buddy to a chair, and make him listen to your second favorite podcast. What's going on, everybody? I am your host, Cincinnati Jeff, and with me always is the other Duke of Spook, Nachos McWerewolf. Nachos, how you doing, buddy? How the fuck are you doing this beautiful Saturday evening in February? I think it's the 5th. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, my friend. I'm doing pretty good. I think it's Uh, 8.59 uh, p.m. (laughs) Do you know where your children are? Dude, I got in trouble one time in sixth grade for like 10 o'clock at night hopping on my bike heading up to the super value using the fucking payphone, calling my mom and going mom it's 10 o'clock do you know where i am that, she was fucking furious it, dude at least you didn't hit her with her have you checked the children <laughs> and then you're gone i got my fucking hide tanned on that shit that's pretty fucking funny man i that's uh that's pretty good oh yeah it was fucking it was delicious all right so um today episode 35 35, right uh we were kind of debated back and forth on doing maybe uh a valentine's day themed episode because we got that coming up next weekend uh but we actually settled on Candyman. it's best of both worlds it's black history month and kind of a valentine's day movie exactly Uh. so uh i guess let's just go ahead and get started Oh, and guess what? News and stuff. We got the buttons back. The buttons are back. So first up, uh, before we jump into any Candyman-related news, it's Candyman. Sean Cunningham is back in the <laughs> is back in in the uh, in the old fucking news here because uh, old D bag uh, is still finishing up his lawsuit with. Um, Terry Inc. Victor Miller. Right. And well, he's Terry Inc. He's well, Horror Inc. Horror Incorporated. Well, something like that. Uh, but uh, Horror Incorporated, most importantly, Sean Cunningham, is suing Paramount for like money he feels it's owed to them from like Hollywood accounting, which is a real thing. Uh, but like he's like, I didn't get enough money from way back in the day. You owe me a fuck ton. And to me, it just seems a little suspicious that like mm-hmm. his first lawsuit is about to wrap up and it's looking like he's not going to win this against Victor Miller's and he's got to pay a shitload of money. So he's like, I don't have this kind of fucking money. I need to get an influx of cash real quick. Let me sue Paramount. I mean, where's all his my boyfriend's back money, you know? Come on, man. Or the new guy's money. Yeah, you know? our fucking guy? house too. the second story. Oh, fuck. I forgot. Did he do part two? I thought he did. I thought I he did all he did three part, of them. I know he did part one for sure. I mean, they're all his, right? Like, he doesn't have anything to do with 
you know, Friday the 13th outside of technically the first one. And then, you know, like it's, but it's his baby, right? Sean Cunningham needs to quit being a biggity bitch and kind of pull like a Wes Craven. Like, oh yeah, you, you kind of took my property and you kind of ran with it. And, you know, you should give me some money kind of thing. And I don't know. Sean Cunningham, quit being a greedy jerk. You're going to be alive for like five more years. What's a fucking matter? For real. Make your fucking fans happy, dude. So uh, after that, uh, the Candyman remake, which was written by Jordan Peele, mm -hmm. has been complete for a while and is scheduled to release in August of 2021. The release was obviously pushed back from late 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Godzilla, a Space Godzilla's laser beam? <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. So it's got Tony Todd back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also has uh, the mom um, from oh, from here. Um, what's a Anna Marie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're both in it. I'm excited. I'm I'm interested to see how this is going to go. I don't know if it's a continuation. And I, I'm calling it a remake. I haven't seen it. I don't really know if it's a remake. It's a remix. <laughs> or, uh, oh, remix. I'm not used to having all the buttons. Right, we're fucking just substitute Foley artists over here, and now we're all Michael Michael Winslow and up in this bitch, and then we got the real robot now. For oh, robots, robots. Uh, and then last, but certainly not least, on this list, we've got quite a few to go here. Since this is Black History Month, and horror movies are bad at stereotyping their black characters in certain ways, it's true though. We wanted to highlight some of our favorite movies to honor. We are going to honor those writers, directors, and actors in this genre. So, we did Blade last year for Black History Month. We were going to do Blade too, but it's like, no, we got to do right. fucking Candyman. So, like every time I say, like, yeah, we're going to do like a Black Man. History Month thing, like people kind of chuckle. Uh, but it's like we're not being like, yeah, we're not, little shits. Like yeah, we're not being like uppity little fucking edge. Like, yeah, people. actually, really want to fucking like legit, highlight dude. some yeah, of this stuff. Yeah, so, dude. so I've got a list here of some of our favorites. Right, these aren't like the world's greatest movies or anything like that by the stretch of the imagination. But there are some good ones on here. But there are things that were movies that we love, or movies where black actors and actresses star in them that we just really appreciate. They're kind of breaking the stereotype in the horror genre. First up. Night of the Living Dead. Now, while this movie seems like an odd choice at first since it was directed by George Romero, and Barbara is the focus early on, once we get to the farmhouse, it becomes the Ben show through and through. Straight up. Yeah, I mean, if we're going OG, I mean, you know, she goes catatonic and she's like, everything's fine. It's like, you fucking zombie apocalypse denier. Like, yeah, Barbara kind of turns into a bad bitch in the uh, 1991. Dude, she fucking... Wonderfully portrayed uh, by Dwayne Jones in the original, and then our... Our hero today, Tony Todd, in the 1990 remake. Oh, shit. Do you remember when we were doing the remake and there's that foreboding scene where he steps out of the truck and drops the hook part of the crowbar into scene? Here we are. Yep. Yeah. Right? Hmm. And I and then uh, it was I think it was Aaron from the Horrible Horror Podcast. Check those guys out who called me out on that shit. And he's like, no, this came out before Candyman. We check our shit, dude. Yeah, it was good. Put Some... in my place. Uh, next up, Tales from the Hood. Oh, man. Dude, that, all right, so a that Tales from the Crypt-type awesome. horror anthology movie where a bunch of drug dealers meet up in a shady funeral home for a night of terror to buy found drugs? Yeah, fucking sign my ass right up. Oh, I got the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Tales from the Hood, dude. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's definitely, a, like, miles better than Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. Uh, what about Bones? I never saw Bones. We're, we're It's on here. Well, we'll get to that. It's on here. All right. It's on here. So, yeah, dude, Tales from the Hood just fun. I love anthology horror anyway. It's my second favorite, like, subtype outside of slasher. 
Dude. I just love anthology horror because you just get so much. Even if one or two of them fucking suck, there's usually like a burner in there. It's so good that you can fucking just like brag about it. I like the one. I want to say it's David Allen Greer. Is that who that is? Is that the is it the KKK one? No, that's the one with Corbin Benson. Yeah, or, yeah, or is yeah. that the one with the cops? <laughs> no, that, that first bit, remember? No, it, it's it's like it's the first part. I know, I know. You were making a joke. You weren't making a joke. I understand. Um, it's the one where like he's the actual monster and shit, and he's like the abusive stepdad kind of thing. And then that's like, he the cops up. one, I think. I think you're tripping, boo. I think the KKK one was the All Corbin right. Winston one. So, oof, uh, they say a word in there. I am not going to say that's not <laughs> my word. Uh, so the first, I want to say the first segment is like there's some politician or like somebody from the hood kind of shit and you know he worked his way up the rank and he got killed by some racist ass cops and i almost want to say one of the cops is the fucking uh dickhead dad from halloween six yes all right because remember he has like a bong in his chest which is fucking awesome and then that other dude gets like stuck with hypodermic needles and then turns into the mural call me out on this if i'm fucking wrong dude it's been it's been yeah i was gonna say it's been god 10 plus years since i've seen it and i remember like the last segment is the gangbanger who gets fucking shot and then like they kind of uh clockwork oranges ass and yeah it's just like oh we were re- we rehabilitated you it's like nope just kidding this is what you saw before you died you punk motherfucker you did <laughs> and then they open up the coffin and that's who's in there and he's like oh did you know him and it turns out you know what we'll save it for what we do fuck your tales from the hood yeah sorry uh then uh get out is the next one here so fuck yeah jordan peele in his directorial debut for a major motion picture and he also wrote the fucking thing right that's solid that's a solid fucking yeah, need need we fucking say more so i and just assume everyone has seen this and if you haven't stop this episode right now and go fucking watch it i would actually prefer that you watch get out over listening to this episode plus if you've gotten this far already your download already counts yep so yep haha <laughs> Gotcha. And then us, right? Jordan Peele as writer and director again is trying to teach you something while entertaining you and giving you that fulfillment for the need of bloodshed. This one's what message did you walk away with? So from that movie, much like Dawn of the Dead poked fun at capitalism and consumerism. Okay, us had us thinking about classism and privilege and you didn't even know it. We are American. We are Americans. Oh, how did, I how like, did she do that voice? I like the twist at the end of that, dude. That uh, was that was cool. Now, like, I walked away from that movie, and I'm like, whoa, so, like, are they Republicans because they're wearing red, or are they sinister because they use left hands, and then they're tethered? And there's parts You're left-handed, aren't you? Yeah. Are you your body devil? No. I mean, if you are, either the other one is like some, more fun than you, which I can't imagine. There's some genius fucking eating rabbits making good <laughs> life decisions. Underground. Right. No, so like, I love that. There are great parts of that movie, but I, I kind of want to smack it on the wrist for being a little too up its own ass. Ballet fighting. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's making pretentious. clone walk backwards into fire. Okay, no, straight up, dude. I like that. Call the police. Play fuck the police. <laughs> I was fucking dying, uh, dude. What? What's his fucking name, dude? In Black Panther, that's the. You know they eat people. It's like we do. No, I'm just kidding. It's like M- M- Mutaku, or you know what I'm talking about the, yeah. the big motherfucker. Uh, uh, Umbaku. Umbaku, the uh, the man ape. Yes, that's yeah. They need to change that name. I don't think that's, that's his name in the comics. I'm not, I'm not. No, I'm I'm fucking wagging a finger <clears> at Marvel. That's probably why they don't call him that in the fucking movie because that's a dated term, right? 
All right. What else you got? Uh, so then uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Jada Pinkett Smith stars as Jerry Lynn, a badass demon slayer who defies the stereotypes that often come with women and black people in horror movies. And Dick Miller's in it. Dick Miller is in it. And Billy Zane. Ho dunk, po dunk. Well, then they're motherfuckers. My nipples are smoking. My nipples are smoking. I just, I love fucking Jada Pinkett Smith. This is the first movie I've ever seen her Get in. Get that cheap pussy off the table. <laughs> I say that at least once a week, dude. Now, that movie's solid as fuck. I, yeah, I, I remember this came out, and I couldn't see it in theater. Obviously, my mom let me rent it like, as soon as the fucking movie store had it. Let's not forget our and boy just from loved the, it. the last episode, William Sadler. A striker. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, then we've got The Zombies of Sugar Hill. This you, is you got to bring me up to speed on that one, man. So this is fun. These uh, next couple are from like the '70s era, like black exploitation kind of film set. But like, he, like I love these movies, right? And like, this is kind of like that first era of a video where like black people weren't just like stereotyped as just like drug dealers or criminals. Like you have those in there as well. Don't get me wrong, but they're also the heroes. These are movies made for black people. Excuse me, by black people. Yes. Like, 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 <clears throat> like uh, Dolomite and stuff like that. Dude. <clears throat> I love all the fucking Rudy Ray Moore stuff. I'm a big fan of Black Dynamite. <clears throat> so, uh, The Zombies of Sugar Hill stars Diana Sugar Hill, who is a grieving widower. Well, not widower, right? Uh, her fiancé was murdered. She turns to voodoo authority Mama Matrice yes. to help conjure up the demonic spirit of Baron Samadhi. This is the same character that is in Bond? <clears throat> yeah live and let die so that has to be like some actual lore <clears throat> character mm-hmm. or some some deity and he agrees to help sugar who raises an army of zombies and sets them upon her dead fiance's killers uh yes These what things, year is it why have i never heard of this <clears throat> this is in the 70s this that, thing is fucking great dude sign me the fuck up uh and then these are two back-to-back blackula and scream blackula scream dude you want to hear the most whack shit ever yeah all right peewee's playhouse <clears throat> The king of cartoons is fucking Blackula, dude. It's like uh, Christopher Williams or something like that. Maybe. I think that's his name. It's stuck in my throat. I don't know. I don't know is it's fucking Dracula in the 70s, but he's an African fucking prince, and I'm cool with it because he's not Dracula. He It, it was like 1800-something, and he goes to... Um, to Dracula's castle to ask him to stop selling slaves away. So Dracula... Bites him, curses him, puts him in a fucking coffin, and buries him, and then and then writes on it Blackula, and then he fucking gets unearthed here in America in the fucking seventies and goes on a fucking killing rampage. And then in the second one, it's like he gets brought back to life. They're fun. They're fucking fun, dude. So in Venture Brothers, there's a character Twilight Davis, Davison or whatever, and he's Blade. And he's a Blackula hunter, so if a regular vampire shows up, he can't do shit. He's like, <laughs> I, it's not it's not in my fucking charter, dude, but if it's a Blackula, he's on that shit. And his car's name is The Blood Vessel. I like the episode of uh, uh, Psych, where they have to go to the vampire bar, and Corey, uh, oh, Corey uh, Feldman is the bartender. And he's like, yeah, so he you He's like, so what are you, like Brad Pitt from Interview the Vampire, and you're just Dracula? And he's like, I'm Blackula. And he's like, whoa, dude, that's racist. And then like Sean's like, I told you, Gus, nobody knows Blackula but you. I know Blackula, <laughs> Gus. That's all right. It's fucking great, dude. <clears throat> 
All right, uh, then these last two, uh, The People Under the Stairs. I was waiting for you to mention that one, dude. So pretty much a reverse Home Alone movie starring Brandon Adams as our hero, Point Dexter Fool Williams, set in the L.A. ghetto, directed by Wes Craven, plus yeah. Ving Rhames is in it, and we love that dude. And that creepy-ass... Who's that mom? What's she from? She looks familiar as shit. Yeah. Uh, she kind of looks like Zelda from Pet Cemetery, but I don't think it's her. I don't remember. And I know the dad is the fucking werewolf from Silver Bullet. Yes. Yeah, he's you the priest. little shit. Um, I don't know, dude. Like, she's just one of those people that's just in shit. Like, Trevor in this movie is just, like, fucking in stuff. Like, I, I know him. Uh, I'll save it for the movie. Uh, and then last up is Bones. All right. Uh, <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Pam Greer, dude. right? Coffee. Black don't crack, dude. Right? She still looks good. I know, right? She's got those big-ass dump truck titties. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. They're in a horror movie together. It's good times. He was like a he was like a uh, 70s uh, kind of like a money, good, like numbers runner kind of dude and like kind of owned the neighborhood. Yeah, like a good pimp. Exactly. Not Charlie the good pimp. And he fucking gets murdered. Then he comes back to life in like the, bad in the aughts, and he has to fucking like kill everybody who fucking tore up his fucking town. It's cool. Yeah, I still got to see it. I know the premise, and uh, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And then I uh, just wanted to make mention here, uh, because we talked about those anthology of horror movies. Check out uh, Horror Noir. It's a history of black horror, which is a documentary about black horror from the 1890s all the way to today. The film examines the relationships between African-American history and the evolution of the horror film genre. Uh, features interviews with Keith David, Tony Todd, Rachel True, and Jordan Peele, among others. So definitely check that out. It's worth the uh, price of Shutter, which I think is like six bucks a month. Yeah, it's good. It's real good. Cheaper than a pack of smokes. All right. So when, where was the first time you saw this movie? Nachos. Answer the question. Uh, fuck, dude. I don't remember. I, I, I probably snagged this from Picket Video. If that's my default, I'll run with it. Okay. And uh, it's good. <laughs> How about you? 1996, I was in the sixth grade. Is it a class project? Or is it, is it? <laughs> uh, no, it was just CNN video down by the ketchup bottle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just picked it up. This is one of those, and I'll get to it later, but this is like one of those things that's like everybody talks about Candyman, especially you when it came out. Before we start this, I'll go grab a shot. I got some right here. Oh, you don't want some honey bourbon? Uh, not yet. Not okay. yet. All right. Uh, but, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to one. We'll get to one. We'll take a quick break here in a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so this is not a video nasty. This is not on our Hello, Hello Nasty list. Directed by Bernard Rose, uh, who didn't really seem to go on to do much else. He did some Frankenstein movie for Universal like a couple years ago. I'm going to shut up and let you talk for a minute. Because now it's time to meet our casualties oh my god he's killing me he's killing me he's killing me so happy it's back oh i at some point is there a xylophone in there i don't remember it's been so long since we've had the fucking buttons it's not a long it's not a big cast either xylophone there it is Hell yeah. yeah there's not a lot there's really isn't a lot here so i had uh six people total one of them's ted ramey yeah <laughs> all right so first up is virginia madsen who plays helen lyle 
I knew her first uh, from Highlander 2, which ironically on Friday, I got in a disagreement with a few people at work about Highlander 2. Whoa, the quickening? Okay. I, I'm a fan. Um, now, don't get me wrong before you fucking turn us off and be like, I'm never fucking listen to these guys again. Oh, the Highlander, Highlander two fucking is just the best fucking movie ever, dude. It's sword fighting and, you know, immortals With and swords and, and you know, Sean Connery as uh, the Spaniard. <laughs> Clancy what the Brown fuck is that cast queen wrote the fucking soundtrack. That I is get a banger, it. dude. That it's, is a banger. it's the best fucking Highlander movie of all time. If not one of the best fucking movies of all time. I get it. However, Highlander 2 was a big part of my childhood. And I didn't have the director's cut, which is a completely different version of the movie where things have been, like, cut out, uh, new stuff's added in, and then it's been, like, scenes have been, like, cropped out and then, like, moved around kind of thing. But still, Virginia Madsen, Highlander 2. I like it. Uh, Did you know there was a Highlander anime movie made by the guys that did Ninja Scroll? I did not. What? Yeah. That's a real thing. Like when did that come out? It's like fucking two thousand five or something. Oh my god! I mean, I figured you'd hit you on two fronts. You'd be like, "Well, like after that show, Highlander. and then fucking Mario Van Peoples showing up in you fucking know he three can't die." Jaws tried to eat him. <laughs> and why did we talk about Mario Van Peoples? And I like how Jaws, he shows dude. up at the end of fucking Jaws four, and it's like, "Why are you even alive?" <laughs> the what? shark was a pussy, man. What good are you gonna do for the rest of your life? You're half a fucking man. It's like in Club Dread. It's his lower fucking half is swimming after him. <laughs> Can't wait to get to fucking Jaws the Revenge. All right. Uh, she's also in The Prophecy and The Haunting. Whoa. Like the the uh, um, Christopher Walken Prophecy? Y- uh, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, not the, not the fucking mutant man bear, bear, mutant bear thing. That's a good one. Um, and then Tony Todd. Hell yeah. As Candyman. Of course, Night of the Living Dead, Wishmaster, Final Destination, Hatchet, fucking Tony Todd, dude. He's Transformers. He's Tony Todd. He's just in everything. He's in everything. He had such a big list, I just kept it to uh to He's Worf's brother? <laughs> uh, Xander Berkeley as Trevor Lyle. I want to fucking crush that dude's head with a brick. He was in Deadly Dreams. He plays Todd in Terminator 2. The piece of shit stepdad? Yeah. Oh, fucked him. Yep. Dies fucking drinking milk. Sorry, whoever Tim is, I didn't mean to offend you by saying, fuck Tim. Vanessa Estelle Williams is Annie Marie McCoy. She was cute. Little cutie. She's in the uh, Candyman remake and not much else. Cassie Lemons as Bernadette Bernie. She good. Walsh. She was in Fear of a Black Hat. I fucking love that movie, dude. I had to put it in here. I always get that fucked up with... Um, UB40? Uh, CB4. CB4. Right, dude. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah UB40 is the fucking... Yeah, the baby. My name's Stabmaster Arson. I just... Fear of a Black Hat, dude. It's the spinal tap of fucking... Of, uh, like, rap groups. The white producers or managers always get fucking shot. That That's some fun movie. Dude, that's great. She was also in Silence of the Lambs. That's right. She played a very similar character. Yes. And she was in Hard Target with Van Damme. Cool. I never saw it. And then some dude named Ted Raimi plays this guy named Billy for like a second. Is this the fourth or fifth time Ted Raimi's been on the podcast? Well, I don't think we can. I think we're counting Intruder, which wasn't our podcast. Oh, but uh, definitely check out uh, Horrible Horror Podcast number one, and then check out the episode Intruder. Uh, you might you might recognize a few voices. Some handsome bastard. I do love that. You lost your job, Joe. <laughs> Techno music. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Uh, released in October '92. Uh, not a great year for horror. 
Other than Candyman, you've got Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's that's a fun movie. I'm 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 going by best or worst. Oh, here. okay. Army of Darkness. Never heard of it. Uh, Mikey. <laughs> Fuck that movie. The Lawnmower Man. Sleepwalkers. Hellraiser oh. Three. Hellraiser Three is fun. Pet Cemetery Two. Doctor Giggles. Fuck yes, I love that movie. Children of the Corn Two. Oh boy. Critters Four. In space. Demonic Toys. And the Stepfather Three. The one without um, why can't I think of that dude's name? Terry Quinn. Thank you. Yeah, it's the one without him. Yeah, and they he looks different. They got some sort of weird double, and he looks different because he got plastic surgery right. to make himself look different. And then also somehow six inches shorter. So he got some. Uh, I'll let Hollywood deal with that one. Yeah, the first time I saw Stepfather Three was actually years into my like horror movie stuff, and just by the cover, I was like, "Oh, is that uh, Jeffrey Combs?" Because he's like a fucking little dude. Is it Jeffy Combs? It is not Jeffy Combs. Damn. But like on the cover, it kind of looks like it might be, and he's just a tiny guy. All right. So how to watch, uh, of course, VHS, a um, few DVDs, uh, and then there are three Blu-ray releases. But what you want to concern yourself with is either the 2018 Arrow Blu-ray mm-hmm. or the 2018 Scream Factory as both are loaded with special features, including, for some reason, commentary by superfans Adam Green and Joe Lynch. Those fuckers are in everything. Yeah, so we were kind of talking about this before. So we noticed, um, obviously, as big purveyors of the uh, Scream Factory catalog, that uh, Adam Green and Joe Lynch do a lot of commentary for uh, movies that they have nothing to do with other than just being fans. And it's even listed as fan commentary. I'm fine with that, Are they, like... You think they fucking like keep them in a room and just like let them out? Like, do you want to eat today? Commentary. <laughs> Let's go, boys. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so I was actually kind of thinking they have a, a podcast called uh, The Movie Crypt. And a lot of the times they'll do a one off episode where, I mean, because they're fucking Hollywood bigwigs, they get like the directors and shit. So I think a lot of that is they'll just take that episode and throw it on the fucking thing. Or they legit keep them in some subterranean, t- uh, you know, chamber and then summon them for commentary. They they lower them from the ceiling. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> they're fucking tied to that steel mattress like fucking Temple of Doom. <laughs> they're fucking coming down. Oh no, Shabai! Oh no, Shabai! I'm telling you, they feed them hearts. <laughs> Let's horse around with some maniacs. One of us is really going to enjoy murdering you. So Helen Lyle is an affluent young woman who is working with her good friend Bernadette Bernie Walsh on a master's thesis involving modern folklore. Her husband, Trevor Lyle, is a university professor of whom she suspects infidelity with one of his younger students, and we suspect her home life isn't quite satisfying, despite the fact she seems to be very much in love with Trevor. Helen and Bernie have been interviewing numerous people about various urban legend type stories. One young woman tells them a story about Candyman, a mythical being who has a hook instead of a right hand. The legend goes that Candyman will appear behind you if you say his name five times while looking in a mirror. Clara dares rebel boyfriend Billy to repeat Candyman's name five times in a flashback story that we are treated to. In front of the mirror while she's babysitting the Johnson's family baby. That's a dumb last name. Billy only repeats it four times because he's a big old pussy 
and he's got to get back to his job at the grocery store. But when she is left alone in the in the bathroom, after examining her A cups, getting ready to lose her virginity to Billy, and not Michael, her too good boyfriend. He's a little pussy bitch. Claire repeats the name a fifth time. Then she turns off the lights, and right behind her, Candyman appears, and all hell breaks loose. I got to talk about this real quick. You got fucking pencil neck Ted Raimi rolling up on a chopper and like picket fence white suburb. Like, what's up? Is this the free pussy giveaway? It's like Ted Raimi, Ted Raimi. No, get get out of here. You look like if somebody put fucking Fonzie through a stretcher. I don't know. You, <laughs> and then that chick has the longest neck. And the tiniest boobs. And she's got some little itty bitty titties. Yeah. I at this point I was actually watching it and I was like, don't don't take your top off. Could you just do not take your top off? Right. Uh so I I'm gonna count it. Death number one. That's right. uh old girl. I don't have any clever kills. So she really got hugged. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. Um so I really like this because as soon as it happens, right, Billy's like waiting down on the fucking couch. Well, like she's sitting, you know, upstairs getting ready to fucking old swipe the old V card. Yep. And then fucking blood just pours through the fucking ceiling after she gets murdered. And then uh, in the interview, they talk about how they uh, Billy gets blamed for the murder. His hair turns white from all the fucking gore he saw. And they never found the baby. I'm not calling that baby dead because uh, I ain't seen no little dead baby. He just hit it. Yeah, he gone. He just hides it. I didn't see. That's his shit. As Helen reviews the recorded conversation in an empty classroom one night at the university, a cleaning woman overhears the story about Candyman and pays special attention to it. Henrietta Mosley calls in another cleaning woman, Kitty Cavler, who tells Helen that the murders that have taken place in Cabrini Green, Chicago, the low-income housing project where she lives, is in fact true. The people of Caprini Green have attributed the deaths to Candyman as the victims have been butchered with a weapon determined to be a hook. The mention of the murders leads Helen to research it in archived newspapers and she finds out the names of the victims. Even more intriguing to her is the fact that her own apartment building was designed exactly like Caprini Green. She learns that it was intended as another housing development, but eventually the idea was scrapped when developers realized that the location was too desirable and they couldn't cut off the ghetto. Yep. Helen and Bernie theorized that the white developers relocated the housing project to a more forbidding area that would keep the ghetto separated from the rest of the area. Helen is aware that the units in her building are connected to one another through medicine chest in the bathrooms. When removed, they reveal a small space that links the apartments together through the wall. This is kind of cool because... When I lived at this weird apartment on Main Street above a business yeah. uh, with, with Jake next door, our medicine cabinets were the exact same way. If I took mine off very easily, I all I saw was the back of his and could get to it. All right. So that part where she pushes uh, the vanity, I guess. Yeah, vanity out. Why don't you hear that shit crashing and smashing to the ground? She catches it. You see her catch it. Okay, she's got some Spider-Man-ass fucking reflexes. I want to jump in real quick. There's a part where they're talking to Trevor in the university. Uh, this is just because I'm a huge fucking dork. One of the students talking to him is the fat Polish kid from Senior Trip. Yeah. 
who's also fucking Rosie from Blade, the movie we did last year for Black History Month. So full call a, circle. Called a coincidence. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. I could kind of skip over that. So oh, that's fine. Yeah, Helen goes in between the interviews and stuff uh, to visit her husband, Trevor, and his uh, lecture on urban legends and things like that. And they're talking about alligators in the sewer mm-hmm. and Jared Leto and yeah. dogs. In my they're like, voice. oh, no, it's it's totally true. I read it in the newspaper. It's like, oh, well, fuck. If it's in the fucking newspaper, it's got to be true. And then, like, he's getting eye fucked it's by fake news. tons fake of news. chicks. And uh, Helen's all insecure. She's like, uh, what's going on with fucking old tight ass here? You fucking that bitch. He's like, stop it. It's not a big deal. You know, and just madly in love with me. Let's move on. It's just a two inch dick. It's not a big deal. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Go ahead, bud. All right. So now with um, uh, Helen knows that the Cabrini Green apartments must be the same as hers. And the stories of Candyman coming out of the medicine chest would indicate a human assailant and not some mythical creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, who also, uh, you know, obviously probably made this discovery. With Bernadette in tow, she visits Caprini Green and finds the apartment of the uh, murdered victim. I love when they show up because, like, on the way up, you got these fucking dudes who are, like, calling out and fucking cackling, like, hey, where you going? Who are you looking for? I got you need, baby. Yeah. And then they fucking make it up the stairs, and they're like, well, you cops? You cops? You got to tell us you're cops. Hey, 5-0, 5-0. Like, Woo-woo, So I know, like, I don't know if you, you you have this in the trivia, but I'm just going to blurt it out. Those are real gang members. So, yes. Uh, when, um, um, pardon me here. Bernard Rose. Bernard Rose went to uh, locate like a good spot for this. He fell in love with the actual Cabrini Green. He's like, we need to film here. But obviously it's ran by gangs. So what he did was he met with the fucking gangs. That's right. Like the leaders and shit. He's like, I want to shoot here. What's what? How can I shoot here? I need protection, things like that. They were like, "That's cool." You know, we want to be extras in the movie, and they're like, "Fine, not a big deal." Yeah, and I do got some stuff in there later, but that's that's what they set up to actually film in Caprini Green. I don't want to necessarily call the gangs out or anything, but their color scheme—the purple and blue—yeah, it's retro, Jason. So, <laughs> just saying. Moving on. Let's not start any beef with Chicago gangs. <laughs> All right, so um. Where are we at? Uh, they just checked out. Oh, they just all right, They just out. find the apartment, right? And the Bernadette's there with her. Um, so they actually get to the apartment of one of the murdered victims. It's just in fucking complete disarray and just tore up and stinks really bad. Uh, but they make it to the bathroom. On the other side of the medicine cabinet is this strange, like, just layer. The looking glass, yeah. kind of? Uh, with holes in the walls, elaborate graffiti-style art depicting a large man's head with a hole in the wall for a mouth. That reveal when she crawls through that is cool. Candy man's mouth, that's dope as fuck. Yes, and she finds, like, this altar and, like, these offerings of, like, candy. Uh, and some of them have razor blades in them and shit. Okay, how did you get AIDS that day? Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Helen. Uh, so obviously, you know, she's like, okay, this is right where I want to be. She snaps a bunch of photos. She's like, all right, let's get the hell out of here. Helen and Bernie then meet with Anne Marie McCoy and her barking ass dog on the way out, uh, who is a neighbor of the deceased victim. Anne Marie is initially hostile to him because she's like, white people only fucking bring problems and cops to this fucking apartment. Is she wrong? No, she is not wrong. And it's exactly foreshadowing 
Uh, and she feels the presence of white people in the all-black housing development indicates nothing but trouble. Bernie herself is black, but Helen is white, and the tenants they meet on the way inside mistake them for the police officers. Eventually, Anne-Marie softens and invites them into her apartment. Helen is taken by Anne-Marie's baby boy, Anthony, admitting that she would love to have a child of her own one day. Anne-Marie says that she is determined to make a better life for her son, one that does not involve Caprini Green or the drug dealings and the loiterers. Oh, better way, better way, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So we fast forward then to dinner uh, one night with Bernie, Trevor, and a few of Trevor's colleagues. I want to choke everybody at this fucking table. They are the most uppity snooty and everybody's fucking smoking everybody smokes in this fucking movie nonstop, except for candy man and the baby that's it <laughs> and could we don't even know if the baby doesn't smoke that baby's chawing that's what's going on <laughs> it's just like it's it's dabbing it's vaping there we go. so helen makes the mistake of baiting philip parcel a snobbish folklore expert by mentioning her thesis project Philip admits um, or attempts to belittle Helen by telling her that he's already written an essay about Candyman 10, ten years, years ago. ago. This mojo-looking motherfucker. I want to put a cig- cigarette out under his fucking third chin. He's a piece of shit. He's I like, well, don't you know about the backstory, Helen? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yuppie, yuppie, yuppie. Philip shares with her Candyman's strange backstory, revealing that he was the son of a slave who had come into a great deal of wealth due to the invention that became hugely successful. Candyman grew up well-schooled and comfortable and was a pre- prestigious yes, artist who was in high demand among the wealthy to paint their portraits. Eventually, Candyman had an affair with the daughter of one of his wealthy white clients, and when she became pregnant, the man exacted a horrible revenge on Candyman. He sent hired goons to attack Candyman, cutting off his right hand, stripping him nude, and smearing him with the honeycomb hive of angry bees. He was killed from the numerous bee stings. Other than the beasting murder, sounds like a pretty good Saturday night. <laughs> Philip claims that it all took place on the site where Caprini Green now stands. Because, you know, Chicago is the site of fucking, like, right, southern I, fucking plantations. That's what I was going to say, because I thought fucking, like, out of all the states to fucking dropkick slavery, like Illinois, you know, land of fucking Lincoln. Right. Oh, this is the part where the history majors just fucking tear us apart. Like, uh, actually, we'll have you now. And I'll be like, get him, fan of This is pre-emancipation proclamation. I, I can't even say that. All right. Uh, I was going to quote Black Emancipation Dynamite. Proclamation. I don't even listen to hip hop. <laughs> Fuck. What is that? For? Oh, that's from fucking South Park, the movie. Ain't you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? I don't even listen to hip hop. Operation Black Shield. Dude. <laughs> uh, this is like, so after, while she's given that little, or while uh, Chunkus McBungus is given the fucking little rundown of the. Oh, double chin? God, I fucking hate that, dude. Uh,. Who wears a fucking... I hate dudes who fucking wear scarves. What are you, a fucking 1950s pilot? Huh? I, I wear a scarf. Are you fucking Howard Hughes? Not to, like, dinner and shit. I, I have specifically bought a dinner scarf the other week. <laughs> I don't want to look like a dipshit. All right, so during this story, uh, this is the first time we catch what I will affectionately refer to as noir eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, where she looks baked as... <clears throat> where she looks baked as fuck. And they, they kind of just, kind of like in Creep Show. remember when they show Fuzzy in the crate and it just kind of focuses on his eyes? Mm-hmm. Okay, so and that's one of the several times. I think they kind of, it's like the Candyman hypno, hypnotosis fuck eyes. Ooh, fuck eyes. Give me the fuck eyes, Candyman. 
So now, even more intrigued by this story, Helen returns to the building of her own, where she finds Anne-Marie, excuse me, the building on her own, where she finds Anne-Marie is not home. She meets a young boy named Jake, who gives her some information on Candyman. Another death in the project was attributed to Candyman, the brutal castration of a young boy who entered a filthy public men's restroom only to meet an attacker who cut off his genitals and threw them in the fucking toilet, resulting in his death. And I love it. And he's like, so nobody would go in. Uh, this dude walks in to see the fucking scene. You Big, see the tough motherfucker. You see the fucking kid on the fucking ground just grabbing his fucking bloody junk, dude. And he looks in the fucking like last stall and there's a fucking dick and balls just in the goddamn fucking toilet. That was in the director's cut, right? We get to see some uh, Franks and Beans floating or am I, I tripping? I think you do. Uh, the way the little kid and then afterwards, he's just like. Man, after you cut your dick off, you might as well die. I'm like, kid, you're eight. Calm down. <laughs> Shouldn't you be watching fucking Paw Patrol or some shit? No, fuck no, you're not watching Paw Patrol. Fuck that. Anyway. So when Jake takes Helen to the site, she goes inside the restroom. And she starts taking photographs. And this place is fucked up, dude. dude. They already saw graffiti um, near Anne-Marie's apartment that said Sweets to the Sweet, which is Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Then you see it written on the wall in fucking shit like a goddamn Duke Nukem game. And she opens the last stall and fucking looks inside the goddamn toilet and it's fucking nothing but bees. You know, because Chicago in the wintertime, you know, <laughs> bees, of course, because fuck it. All right. So one man approaches her and announces that he is Candyman and carrying a large hook. I think what you meant to say is, I heard you were looking for Candyman, bitch. I was waiting for you to do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, which he, she, Helen's like, hey, hey, guys. I don't want any trouble here, right? Just, you know, I'm going to leave. And they're just like fucking blocking. She's like, uh, all my colleagues know I'm Dude, here and they're going to be looking for she me. She pulls the ultimate lur nerd linger. Uh, there are colleagues that'll be waiting for me. Actually, I refer to him as sugar-free candy man. Because uh, <laughs> diet candy man. Right. Actually, NutraSweet candy man. But, you know, <laughs> who the fuck knows NutraSweet anymore? That's obviously a dated reference. Sugar low. There you go. Sweet and low candy man. Uh, beats the shit out of Helen with his hook while, her, while his fucking boys there take care of the rest of her. All right. I would straight up rather fucking die than lay on the floor of that bathroom because <laughs> fuck dude that's it's bad news there's there's dukes and poops and right fucking critters and fucking they jizz. they exit leaving helen on the fucking ground to to bleed out um jake comes in calls 911 and then obviously the police come and rescue helen Later on at the oh, police they station, the white chick. But when somebody's <laughs> fucking dying up at the project, and they even talk about that, too. And then Jake says, not one one's a joke. Uh, this is my favorite part of the movie because it's just so fucking comedic is the police lineup where Helen, who's just fucking so swollen on one side, like she got stung by a few fucking she bees looks like a fucking Rocky from the first Rocky movie at the end could be Mick. <laughs> kind of shit and all these dudes in trench coats have to walk and step forward and say the line I heard you looking for candy man bitch I heard you were looking for candy man bitch <laughs> yeah no that, that seems pretty good <laughs> it's fucking hilarious dude. and then she smokes with her fucking mouth or her eyeball pussy <laughs> <laughs> That thing is, it's like it a just, grapefruit. It reminded me of this uh, scene where, and again, I'm a Simpsons guy, but family guys got it every once in a while. When they when they hit it, they hit it good, where Lois is running for mayor, and they, uh, ever, like all of like uh, Peter's friends are, are like pushing to like help get her votes and stuff like that, and they're, 
there's this one uh, scene where there's a woman uh, trying to identify. Um, I want to say it's it could be her rapist. It might be a murderer of her brother. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, and Joe Swanson's obviously a cop. And she's like, it's number four. Number four did it. And he's like, okay, cool. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, Lois uh, Griffin can count on your vote. She's like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, well, you say number four did it. I say I smell alcohol in your breath. And then he just pins a button to her and says vote for Lois. And he's like, that's what I thought. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I just okay. love it. Every time I see this fucking scene, I don't know why, but it's just the whole fucking police lineup. It's just humorous to me. It just makes me think of it. All right, moving on. Alrighty, where are we at? All right, so, so they're walking back to the university and they cross that amphitheater, which oh, hold on, not me. even there yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so obviously, uh, she identifies her assailant, yes, right, much to the satisfaction of the detective Frank Valento, who informs thing. Helen that the young man who beat her was suspected of the previous murders, and he'd been using the legend of Candyman to frighten the le- the residents of Caprini Green into silence. And Helen's testimony will help put him away because they're not going to come down there for any fucking black on black crime mm-hmm. but once a white woman gets fucking hurt straight up fucking guns blazing it's like she unintentionally throughout the course of the movie flexes her white privilege but she doesn't flex it it's just like a victim of circumstance kind of thing on the way out she sees jake thanks him for the help and he's just like you told me i wasn't gonna get in trouble killed. and he's like no you're cool this guy's actually human candy man's not real and like jake genuinely looks disappointed he's like oh I wanted there to be a ghost cutting my dick off. My bad. Okay, well, I guess we'll be cool friends now. Sometime later now, when Helen fucking comes back to work after recovery and meets up with Bernie. She bounces back pretty fast. Uh, walking across the uh, university at this giant-ass fucking amphitheater it that you just mentioned. It reminds me of Oa. I don't know. Is this some giant Green Lantern symbol kind of thing? It does there? fucking look like Oa. Okay, all right. I You're just... not fucking wrong, dude. I was thinking uh, something similar. All right, where Helen reveals that she's obviously unsettled by the two murders, of course, which featured black victims, uh, went practically unnoticed, while her crime with of just assault caused lockdown at Caprini Green, presumably because she was a white victim. Bernie then surprises her with the slides from the camera that she had, which were mostly saved, which Helen had assumed was just fucking completely destroyed in the attack. The women part ways on the way back to the car. Helen is looking at the slides when suddenly she's confronted by a strange voice and a figure. sexy voice. Helen. Helen, you called for me. My Uber's here? Be my victim. Helen. This tall black man wearing a long trench coat and speaking in an unearthly voice, she soon realizes that this is Candyman. Although she can barely comprehend how it's possible, Candyman urges Helen to become his victim, almost as if he were speaking to her as a lover. He tells Helen that because she exposed the killer Caprini Green, she has caused a sudden rift in his world. The belief in him by hundreds of people is what allowed him to go on living and gave him his powers. Helen, Helen's incident has caused this belief to now drop, and now he is in danger of ceasing to exist entirely. Candyman intends to kill Helen, which would then give rebirth to his legend and causes belief to surge once more. Helen swoons and loses consciousness. Thanks for clearing that up for me, for starters. I am not being facetious. I didn't, I, my donkey brain didn't figure that out. And also, 
uh, Noir Goo Goo Fuck Me Eyes, round two. Oh, yeah. So that whole thing, is, it's implied. It is not directly explained. Obviously, you'll get the explanation here, okay. but it is very much implied that that is what's going on. I missed it several times in previous viewings because I'm just so infatuated by the movie. But obviously, in this instance, when I'm like trying super hard to focus and pay attention, I was like, I got to write this down. This is worth it. See, I'm like Helen at that point. I just see Tony Todd's mouth and I'm just like, oh, shaboing boing. And I let me apologize for all you listeners out there on my Candyman voice. I'm not a six five fucking black man, so I just can't really do that shit. The mouthful of killer killer bees. Right? I sound like a fucking, you know, like five nine idiot. I'm actually six one though. I was like, are you making fun of me? Six foot five with a two inch dick. That's me. I gotta go. <laughs> so uh, after Helen loses consciousness, she wakes up, is very disoriented, and is covered in fucking blood. If I had a dollar for every time I woke up on a bathroom floor covered in blood with somebody screaming in the other ground. So much fucking blood. That's a lot of blood. It's a fucking ton it, of blood. Maybe like a Rottweiler's amount of blood. She sees that she's in this strange bathroom. She's trying to get her bearings, and she steps out, and what she sees is this fucking dead dog with its fucking head missing and a meat cleaver standing by. Which fucking she, for some reason, arms herself with while she hears a woman screaming in another room. You don't know, like, if she's on the offense or defense. You just, you gotta be safe, man. And this is a good scene because of that. Because she does not know where she is. Like, she handles the situation like I would assume most people would. She then sees that she's somehow in Anne Marie's apartment. Anne Marie is screaming hysterically in the other room, covered in blood herself, blood looking for her fucking baby who is not in his crib with fucking blood all over the like the crib and the wall. Uh, Helen now armed with the meat cleaver, cleaver. Yes, meat cleaver. <laughs> uh, right there, buddy. Is attacked by Anne Marie, uh, who fucking assumes that she has taken the baby. She's fucking going ham. Yes, she fucking rushes her. Pins her down. They fucking go round and round. And she's trying to defend herself. She fucking takes the fucking meat cleaver and fucking... Just gives her a little whack. Oh, my God. Right in the fucking arm. And we get that fucking... It reminded me of the Adams Family. The fencing scene from the original Adams Family movie. Like they're cutting off each other's arms and shit. Yeah. Because she fucking cleaves Anne-Marie in the fucking arm. And it just squirts blood like straight out, dude, for a while. It's just... <laughs> to be fair, Helen's kind of like, hey, you need to calm the fuck down. She's like, you killed my fucking baby. And she's like eyeball fucking her and just bashing her head against yeah. the ground. So she's like, I guess it's I have a clean to hit. this fucking cleaver. It's a clean hit. It did the fucking cop show up. So Helen then gets on fucking top after wounding mm-hmm. her in the shoulder. Yes, and she's fucking yes. like holding the fucking cleaver high. But it looks like she's going to fucking kill her as the fucking cops bust the door in. Boy, I bet you if the tables were turned, somebody would have gotten shot. Right? Yeah. So now back at the precinct, Helen is subjected to a strip search, uh, and we are uh, 40 minutes and 30 30 seconds. It's in the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, And we get some boobies. We get some beautiful, bloody boobies. Did you catch who this chick was? The cop? Yeah. So the cop who's strip searching Helen uh, does not want to touch that fucking beautiful ray of sunshine. (laughs) Don't you touch that beautiful ray of fucking sunshine. That's fucking Joey B from Jason Goes to Heck. Yeah. And uh, that's the fucking two for one special. That's right. (laughs) I want to side up. Why did we talk about Creighton Duke? Fuck. Whatever. Moving on. Yeah. Can't get them all. Right. Save it for next time. That's right. All right. So Helen is subjected to the strip shirt. Um, 
by Rusty Schwimmer. That's the that's the actress. Yeah, I'll give you a Rusty Schwimmer, buddy. <laughs> you candy uh, man me, I'll Rusty Schwimmer you, buddy. Who is just super blunt about taking off her clothes and lifting her boobies and shit like that. Later then, she begs for Detective Volanta, who appears, this time speaking furiously to Helen. It's clear that everybody thinks that she is responsible for the attack on the dog and obviously the kidnapping. Uh, well, what did fucking Anna Marie say? White people show up, we start getting problems. What right? happened? Some white bitch shows up, motherfucking your baby's gone. Twice. And, fucking two times fucking cops show and up. And your now. dog doesn't have a head anymore. So Helen's like, I need to make a fucking phone call. She calls Trevor, only to discover that Trevor is somehow not home, even though it's three in the fucking morning. The next day, he comes to Helen, takes her home, makes bail somehow, because I guess white people. White I don't people. Know. <laughs> and she's chain smoking the whole time. Yeah. Helping her through all the reporters and cameras and her lawyers like, hey, look, like the prosecutors have released you because they think the baby's body will turn up and that they uh, want to charge you with murder one. But it's unlikely to stick. I think lawyers say things like that as foreplay, like, oh, they haven't found the baby's body. I'm fucking go girting in my pants. It's going to be huge for me. (sighs) Helen is somewhat comforted, but she cannot comprehend what's going on, and she obviously thinks that everyone around her assumes she's guilty. She questions Trevor about where he was at 3 a.m., and he claims he was at home sleeping and couldn't answer the phone. I got to you as soon as I could. The next day, Helen looks at the slides of the Caprini Green, and in one shot, she is able to see Candyman standing directly behind her, even though he was not there when she took the picture in the first place. He then appears to her once again, emerging from her medicine cabinet in her apartment, just like she had suspected previously, and seemingly he is everywhere but nowhere at once. She cannot escape him. He talks to her again and says that you belong to me and that you will be immortal if you surrender. Kind of like a very proactive pimp. She's very paralyzed with fear, and as he goes in for the kill, he cuts her on the neck, but they hear Bernie knocking on the door outside the apartment. Carrying a little fl- a little set of flowers, a little bouquet. Just being a good fucking yeah, friend. Hey, Helen, just want to come by and see you. Presumably to cheer Helen up. Yeah, you may have murdered a baby, but you still got me in your corner. Helen tries to scream and warn Bernie, but she enters the, the domicile anyway and is killed by Candyman, who is hiding directly behind the door. Guts are off screen. So fun fact that nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> in the bathroom, that M.C. Escher painting... I had that in my bathroom. I didn't have a Candyman arm jutting out of the vanity, so I think I'm all right. <laughs> this time, Helen's o- Helen awakens under much more dire circumstances because, you know, waking up with a fucking dead dog, a meat cleaver, and a missing fucking baby and getting attacked isn't fucking bad enough. Buddy, I'm just saying if I had a dollar for every time I woke up bloody in bed and I had a pair of handcuffs... Uh, uh, I could afford a good lawyer. At the same time, Trevor enters the fucking room. Trevor. And uh, she watches, um, or he fucking sees uh, the fucking, the dead Bernie, who's like crazy fucking blue already. Yeah. Do you remember? And covered in the fucking slides. And just fucking gigged full of holes. Do you remember in Resident Evil 2 for the original PlayStation, when Marvin, the black cop, turns into a zombie, he also turns blue. I, Place, you, you you mean Resident Evil 2, not the Resident Evil. Well, did I not say 2? You did not say 2. Well, we'll listen back and hear how wrong you are. Okay. Oh, 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 oh boy! 
Kermit's Bay. This wrong message brought to you by Kermit D. Frog. <laughs> and so we continue on with our movie. Trevor enters the room and she watches uh, a bloody Helen holding this knife and asking to help her. It's not as good as last time. No. I was much more into it. Yeah, I did want to scold you on air and make you feel like a dick in front of all the listeners that are downloading this and will listen to this at some point. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't good. I was my heart wasn't in it. Um, you are you, you tried there, buddy. Yeah, I gotta yeah, I gotta I gotta do a little better next time. We'll workshop it. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. All right, so Trevor enters the room. Uh Bernie's dead. Helen is laying on the fucking floor with a big old fucking hole in her neck, and she's also holding a bloody knife. Bernie holding a bunch of holes. <laughs> And the cops show up. They handcuff her to a gurney and is being given a bunch of fucking drugs to calm her down. She breaks free, rushes through the other room. She sees Bernie's dead ass. Helen is then taken away in a police car as she hears Candyman's voice, and she begs him not to hurt the baby when she's, like, getting flashes of the baby uh, at the altar inside the the apartment that she discovered. Candyland. Candyman (laughs) land. Also... So this kid is missing for several days, and I'm not saying that Candyman is months. Months. It's a it's a oh month. Oh my god! It is a fucking month. So you're trying to tell me that Candyman has fraternal instincts? What is he fucking feeding him? Honey and bees? So that's what I thought too. Because you even see that scene bees. where he like puts his non hook hand like in the baby's mouth, and he's just like sucking on it, and it's like what? What is he getting out of this? It's like Blade Three when he catches the baby. Gucci goo, motherfucker. All right, I don't think he says motherfucker, but. Now, fuck it. He says motherfucker. Whatever. Yeah, so that was very concerning. Maybe. No, I just want to see fucking Candyman at line down at uh, uh, Walgreens or whatever, just with baby formula and his and his fucking hook hand and shit. And they're just like, what What do you do? Don't, don't worry about me. <laughs> um, Baby's got to eat. So, uh, obviously, uh, Helen is taken to an institution now, not the police station, and is strapped down and injected. Before uh, left alone, Candyman appears again, hovering over the bed in midair, reciting Candyman poetry. And the entire time I'm seeing this scene, I'm thinking, how fucking strong are these wires that are fucking suspending Tony Todd? Because he's huge. Unless they did it like a he's it's actually he's on the ground and they tilted the room kind of thing. Could be. Could be, but you only get a couple. I thought that, too, because you get a couple scenes where it's just you don't see his legs. But then you get a full suspension. He's a skeleton made of bees. Okay, (laughs) there you go. Bees don't weigh much. Right, yeah. Even when you put them all together. You ever carry a beehive? (laughs) Yes, I have. It's less than eight pounds. All right. All right, so he's. She's flipping shit, too. She's like, he's under the bed. He's here. Okay, nutty. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, yeah, we got you. Thorazine. On our way. Right here. Uh, she screams for help, and the medics come. Of course, they don't believe her. They cannot see ha- Candyman. Okay, ladies, we believe you. <laughs> Tony Todd's in here with a hook handful of bees. Only Helen can see him. Helen is eventually taken to see Dr. Burke, who informs her that he is working for her defense, and she is astonished to learn that she's been in the facility for an entire month under heavy sedations of Thorazine. Uh, tell him, boy. When they breach the subject of Candyman, Helen calls for him by looking into a mirror in the office and saying his name five times. Candyman then appears, and to Dr. Burke's astonishment, gigs him. Fucking guts him like a fish. And he's got a great surprise face. Like, it's all just fucking coming, too. He's like, oh, shit. I'll say it. It's an Umbuga's face. 
And uh, in the director's cut, he is fucking in him. He just, is gah, fucking gah, him with gah, that hook. Gah, gah, gah. And it is fucking. All right. So when Candyman, like after he kills him, he's like deuces. And then he from goes out. Of he the does, window. dude. He fucking goes backwards out the goddamn fucking window, man. That's legit. That's so good. And Helen's like, well, fuck, if he can do it, so can I. So she fucking escapes her restraints and fucking goes out the fucking uh, window, walks to the ledge to another room, knocks another nurse unconscious, steals her uniform, and then just fucking basically just fucking escapes the whole place. Straight up like Solid Snake. Yeah. Uh, Helen goes to her apartment uh, and is in for an even greater shock. Oh, my God. Yes. Trevor has moved in with the young student who she expected that he was fucking like earlier. Tracy, the fucking bimbo. And she's fucking painting her apartment this fucking sickly pink. It's it's like bubblegum queef pink. Yeah. They are terrified to discover that Helen is fucking now broken in, who's obviously been accused of savage fucking murders. Multiple. And she's like, uh, Trevor, I hate this fucking color. And uh, it doesn't go well. And then just like, go ahead, call the fucking hospital. I don't give a shit. She tells Trevor that uh, he was all she had left in this world. And after a fucking quick breakdown, she leaves, much to their relief. Uh, it's So I love when she shows up and it's fucking like the bimbo painting. And she goes, get out of my house. And that chick cycles through every emotion in the fucking human spectrum. It was a good acting job for sure. She like smiles. She's like in fucking Looney Tunes when it's like bam. Drops the fucking roller, <laughs> turns around smiling, kind of giggling, seats its fucking Helen. It's like just ha ha. <laughs> she like fucking morphs. It's like the fucking T1000 when he dies in the fucking lava. And then on the way out the door, she fucking shot puts the can of paint against the wall like, <laughs> fuck this shit. Fuck! Slams the door. Piece of shit, Trevor. On her massive dick. So, uh, with nowhere else to go, Helen goes to Caprini Green to seek out Candyman's lair. She finds him asleep and tries to kill him with the hook, but he awakens and tells her to surrender to him. He promises Helen that the pain of her death will be exquisite and she needn't fear the afterlife, as she will be immortal like he is. He then tries to kiss Helen, and bees swarm out of his mouth and his body, stinging Helen as she swoons and faints once again. All right, I got a lot of shit right here. You know what just dawned on me? Hit me. Throughout the fucking course of the movie, anytime we're in Candyman land, and there's all this beautiful graffiti, do you know who did that? Candyman did, because he is, in fact, an amazing painter. He's sitting there just kind of kicking all this time you're like i ain't doing oh, shit yeah. might as well fucking doodle it that just dawned on me and that's fucking wild and also Candyman has a sleeping also the architecture of this fucking building it's like uh you know then like there's a magical room that leads to an attic that leads to Candyman land where there's a fucking altar i guess it's the roof whatever fuck it and then so you're telling me like when Candyman's not out killing people he's just taking naps and shit like i mean like like why does Candyman need to sleep i thought he was like some ethereal ghost or something like you know does like freddy krueger need to fucking sleep to charge his demon battery does freddy sleep and then if so what does he dream about it's a robot sheep i don't fucking know uh <laughs> like do, do, do does fucking Candyman like pay time off or something i i don't understand that dude <laughs> i mean that's fucking silly to me that's a silly fucking thing but whatever. I I just like the whole fucking, like, the bees and stuff. This is great. Like, they're actually coming out of fucking Tony Todd's mouth. They're, like, in his body. This was good. This was not, 
I mean, there is some CGI in this fucking movie. Granted, it's 1992, and you can spot it. It comes at the end, and it's easy to fucking see. So you kind of helped make sense of this earlier, but, like, so is Candyman a ghost? Is he like an ancient relic? If you say his name, you summon him, or, or I, I mean, it's like it's it's he's like he is like Freddy Krueger, like at the end of three, where they're like, I just don't believe in you anymore. We don't care. You don't frighten us, and he loses his powers. Okay. All right. Yeah, we can run with that. I'm sorry. I just uh, none of that sat right with me, and I'm just like this movie does such a good job to just be awesome and make sense and. You know, whatever. Anyway, I'm just kind of. So why I have no sorry. jokes really written in here because I was, I'm just, I love this movie and I'm in awe of it. I don't want to give it away, but I mean, I just fucking love this thing. Kill the bees, y'all. So Helen then regains consciousness and finds that she is alone. Looking at the walls of the lair, she realizes through the paintings that he has done on the walls himself. I, right. That uh, she herself is the image of Candyman's lost love, the young woman that he lost his life over many years before. All right, sorry, man. One more time. Uh, you, they, this shit movie is like they did it in Fright Night. Like Jerry Dandridge has the portrait of Marcy Darcy, and it looks nothing like her. <laughs> so, did they do these paintings prior before they fucking you know hired the uh, you know that? I got a thing on that. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Right on, man. Go for it. So now, wandering outside, she does hear that baby crying from somewhere nearby, and realizes that Anthony is inside this large pile of scrap wood and garbage that the residents of Caprini Green intend to burn as a bonfire. We see it earlier in the film as Jake's shows it to her, and she's like, "What's that for?" He's like, "Some kind of celebration." It's a celebration. The celebration of it's trash day where they let you burn outside. It's a fucking giant structure fire, as big as a house. So there's a scene where like Candyman grabs the baby. Um, and he's like, it's time for a new miracle. If burning babies in a bonfire is a miracle, then I'm some kind of God or something. <laughs> All right, go ahead, buddy. I'll shut up. For a little bit. <laughs> Yikes. So <laughs> when she goes into the pile to rescue him, uh, Jake awakens and sees her scrambling among the garbage with a hook in her hand, mistaking her for candy, man. Jake alerts the groups. Uh, Jake alerts a group of other residents, and together they go outside with gasoline and torches to burn Candyland alive in the bonfire. As the flames spread, Helen reaches the baby inside, but Candyman appears to restrain her from escaping. He encourages Helen to stay with him, and as they burn alive for love, uh, in order to fuel their own legend even further, Helen fights back, impaling Candyman with a burning shard of wood. She manages to escape and crawl out of the fire while protecting the baby as Candyman burns alive. It, does the bonfire explode with bees, or did I see? So oh. <clears throat> Anne-Marie seems to uh, see them and is overcome by both finding her child alive and realizing that Helen is the one who's delivered him safely from the burning wreckage, badly burned, but dies. And as this happens, the bonfire explodes with bees, with bees. and this is where you see the fucking shitty CGI because they're not even bees. It's just like... Coffee grounds, like what they did with uh, Phenomena. And I think it's supposed to represent like burning burning bees, right? So like, it's supposed to kind of look like ash exploding, like when a bonfire pops kind of thing. But it just looks so fucking bad. It just looks like red dots, and then they have like bees buzzing over it. It's terrible. I thought it cool. No, no, the scene is cool. The CGI is terrible. Not as bad as the second one, man, but we'll get to that. At Helen's funeral... 
Trevor and a few others, small group gather, uh, only just a little bit of mourners there, until suddenly they look up and see a huge group of residents from Caprini Green marching among the gravestones, making their way to Helen's gravesite to pay their respects. Helen is revered by Anne-Marie and Jake at the forefront, and Anne-Marie is carrying baby Anthony triumphantly. Jake removes Candyman's hook from under his coat, apparently pulled from the ashes of the fire, and tosses it on top of Helen's grave. After the funeral, Trevor and his new girlfriend, Stacy, the skinny bitch. Oh, it's, it's Stacy. I thought it was Trey. It's fucking bimbo bitch. Yeah. They're at the head. apartment, the same apartment where Helen used to live. Trevor has isolated himself in the bathroom, shaking with grief while the young girl angrily awaits him in the kitchen, seemingly annoyed that Trevor is grieving the loss of his wife. Also, she's annoyed at bras, too, because them nips be popping. Aye. And I'm all right with that. Sobbing, Trevor looks in the mirror and mumbles Helen's name over and over and over again. Would you say five times? Oh, I would. Uh huh. Suddenly, Scabby Helen, (laughs) Scabby Helen, Scabby Helen. Suddenly, Scabby Helen appears behind him, a ghostly apparition holding a hook. She uses the hook to murder Trevor brutally, gutting his body and leaving it in the tub for his new girlfriend to find. Her own legend just beginning. The end. Oh, and as the credits roll back in Candyman land, there's a brand new portrait of Scabby Helen, uh, who looks like a fucking angel with her hair on fire. And there you go. That true. That Sorry. true. Sorry, not to, uh, not to shit in your mouth. Hey, nachos. Do you kids want to see a dead body? So we've got six total yes. deaths. Yes, I want to see a dead body. Sorry. <laughs> Two off screen. So... You know, for a slasher, a low amount of deaths. And again, two of them happen off screen. Not a lot of gore in this. Yeah. Uh, so number one, Clara, killed off screen by Candyman. Uh, you mean Littlefoot with that long ass neck? <laughs> Looking for fucking tree stars? Little tits. Little, little tits. Number two, Bernadette Bernie, killed uh, by Candyman off screen. Bold move, killing the black lady off in a movie so early on. Yeah, really original, guys. <laughs> number three, Dr. Burke. Ripped to pieces. Dude, straight gut fucked. Number four, Candyman burnt and turned into bees. Uh, Toasty Todd. (laughs) Eh, eh. Number five, Helen Lyle died from her injuries in the fire. Okay. Number six, Trevor Lyle killed by Helen with a hook. Oh, I had the dog too, but you know. So uh, what was your favorite kill, buddy? Oh, fuck. Probably fucking Dr. Brooke, dude. Because like in the unrated version... I mean, Trevor got it pretty raw, too. So, I actually, I go with Trevor as my favorite kill. And the reason being is because, first time out watching it, wasn't expecting Trevor to die. I actually expected the bitch outside to get it. Yeah, so that was yeah, kind of cool. a shocker. Yeah, when he's like, Helen, Helen, Helen. I just expected to show up and then kill her, and then Trevor fucking get, like, framed for it, but it kind of, they flip-flopped it, so I like that. Now, do you think that college student got to keep, like, her, her credits and shit? You know, because she's fucking the professor. So she gets obviously. straight A's now because he died. Oh, like they've been on campus. Mm-hmm. I got some beers, so let's drink them. Cops hate it when you do this. <laughs> Were you singing fucking show tunes? No, fuck you. You don't even have an accent. <laughs> I love that fucking movie. That is F-U-N. Mellow greetings. What seems to be your boggle? My boggle? All right, so here's some stuff you should know. Tony Todd was stung by bees 26 times during the space of the Candyman trilogy. 
The bees were bred specifically for this movie. They needed to make sure that the bees were only 12 hours old so they looked like mature bees, but their stingers wouldn't be powerful enough to do any real damage. Tony Todd negotiated a bonus of $1,000 for every bee sting he suffered during filming. (laughs) Dude, I got a story for you, and this is true. So I was with uh, Von Piros Von Weenie, Weenie Fingers. Vampire Von Piros, Man of Man Travels. Man of Travels, yeah. We were down at fucking um, Archon. You remember when you could do things and have conventions? I remember Archon. And Tony- Pepperidge Farm remembers Archon. Oh, get the fuck out. Remember? Anyway, uh, dude, we were talking. We, there was an interview. Yeah, no, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It's, so we were- back the way you came. I'll fucking stab you. Uh, we were talking to to fucking Tony Todd about shit, and you know he was asking about Worf's brother. He's like, actually, I was also another Cleon, 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 Klingon, Klingon. Anyway, and then so I was just like, everybody was talking about all this dumb Star Trek shit because it's for nerds. And I said, you almost said Star Wars. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, I said, Yo, Tony Todd, how many times you get stung in the mouth? He's just like. Too many goddamn times. And then he just shifted gears talking about Candyman. And I'm just like, you're welcome, you fucking nerds. We saw him uh, at Comic-Con. Or not Comic-Con, but uh, uh, Whorehound. He was there the second or third day. Like, like randomly, like, showed up, like, as a last-minute fucking addition when we were there. And Was uh, that the uh, Club Dread Day where I was fucking annihilated? Yep. And we met Vincent? Yep. <laughs> yep. He's a big dude. But anyway, I just love the whole thing where he gets a fucking bonus every time he gets stung. Oh, I, yeah, I would be contracted. $26,000 for fucking bee stings. That's good. The exterior hallway and stairway scenes were actually filmed for a few days in the infamous Caprini Greens housing project, which you talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. The producers had to make deals with the ruling gang members to put them as extras in the movie to ensure the cast and crew's safety during filming. Even with this arrangement, a sniper put a bullet through the production van on the last day of filming, though no one was injured. Basically, as a warning, don't come back, white people. Bye! (laughs) While investigating one of Candyman's crime scenes, Helen and Bernadette discovered that the design of the apartment's medicine cabinet is a possible entry port for the intruder. This was not a made-up piece of horror movie fiction. While researching the film, director Bernard Rose learned that a series of murders had been committed in Chicago the very same way. Yeah, kind of like your story a little bit, minus with all the murders. If Virginia Madsen had been unavailable, and this is what you kind of mentioned earlier, the role of Helen would have gone to Sandra Bullock. Ew. No. No. Fuck no. Yeah. So that's why maybe the mural didn't quite look right. Because they oh, did it first. Oh, shit, dude. I got, we got to go back and rewatch the scene and see if it looks like Sandra Bullock in her dead ass face. Virginia Madsen was hypnotized Mm -hmm. and even given trigger phrases on set for her scenes with Candyman. Madsen grew increasingly uncomfortable with this method, so she asked for it to be canceled. That is why, like, in the parking garage scene and shit like that, like, Mm -hmm. she's so fucking spaced out looking. The noir go-go fuck, or goo-goo fuck me eyes. Yeah, it's... she may be that fucking great of an actress. I don't know. No, she was straight hit. God damn, dude. That is some commitment. And then they made her wear crotchless panties and bark like a dog. Last, uh, Clive Barker has confronted a number of academics who have accused him of taking advantage of and using an African-American urban legend, 
with the simple fact that he himself actually created this story and that Candyman was, in fact, not a real urban legend. He made it up. The script was adapted from a short story written by Clive Barker titled The Forbidden. Forbidden. So they believe that this story is real and that Clive Barker is making money off it. It's so popular and ingrained in people's, like, stories and culture that actual historians are like, fuck you, Clive Barker. And he's like, no, I, I made that up. This is, I'm the reason that this exists. You know how you know it's a good story? If you yeah. could trick motherfuckers into thinking it was real. Damn near getting sued for your own story. Right. But you got to say it like Clive Barker. I made it up on the set. Oh, God, that hurt my throat so bad. All right, let's do our final cuts. Well, what do you know? I asked for final cut, and I got it. <laughs> All right. Your final cuts, nachos, what you liked, what you didn't like, and give me your rating, sir. All right, dude. So straight up soundtrack, it's a 10. It's done by Philip Gra- uh, Philip Glass, uh, made fun of in South Park. And Look, go oh, ahead. A little, little closer. No, no, go ahead. All right. So. Uh, oh, you're done with Philip Glass? I just had I had to say this real quick. I didn't write it down, but I wanted to tell you this because I thought you would like this. So Philip Glass loves the soundtrack that he did for this, right? Oh, shit. Did not realize that what he was doing was going to be attributed to such a horrific horror movie. Hated it once he saw it. Well, that was like, fuck this. That dude's bitch league. Over the many years that this film has been out, it's obviously become such a huge fan cult hit, but he has softened to it. And in a recent interview, he goes, I like it. I get a check every month. Yeah, you get paid. That's all he said. He's just like, okay, so you fucking hate that they use your work for, but you get paid, so you'll be like, I'll be easy on it. So um, if you remember a band, King Missile, the detachable penis, and they did other stuff, mm-hmm. but come on, what do we know them Detachable from? penis. Exactly, exactly. So uh, for years, I thought, they, so they have a song about Philip Glass, and um, I thought they go into depths of how much they love his music, and that they were like, violently mutilate him and chew on his eyeballs and shit but i fucked up because that is the song about martin scorsese but anyway philip glass is kind of a cunt league piece of shit or cuntly piece of shit not cunt league not the league of cunts league of cunts league meanwhile of league of in cunts. the cunt of doom the cacophony of cunts anyway uh well that's probably the most we've ever cacophony said. of the cunts that was good i think this is probably the most we've said cunt in an episode oh we should say it more cunt Ugh. Cunt. You can say it as much as you want when you say it with a K. Here, let me say it like this. Philip Glass. Oh! <laughs> anyway, no, that dude's... Uh, Alexa, cunt. Cunt cannon. Uh, no, all right. So, banging soundtrack. Dude's a bitch. Okay, moving on. Uh, the story's amazing. Uh, acting is great. I can't really wag my finger at anything. I mean, I could say more gore, but I don't know if it belongs in a movie like this. Tony Todd's amazing. Fucking... Uh, Virginia Madison, who's a fucking smoke show. Madsen. Um, Madsen, yeah. She, so, like, there's no I. You know what? I will say I have no problem with this movie. I give this 10 out of 10 bloody hooks. Ooh, perfect Hell fucking yeah. score. Yep. Damn. Look at, look at the big brains on Brad. You know what I would change about this movie? Nothing. All right. Uh, well, how about you, Cincinnati Jeff? For me, very fun movie. Right. Uh, the setting is very unique, with Chicago being the backdrop and the majority of the movie taking place in the high-rise apartments, outside of the norm for most slasher movies at the time. Poltergeist the only other three. I was just going to say the other one that really did this was Poltergeist three. 
The movie itself equally unique in having a black man portray the slasher in which had never been done before or since and is in no way, shape, or form ever copied. Um, I can name another black slasher character. Who? Who? Victor Crowley of Hatchet fame. Victor Crowley's black? He's half black. He's half Tony Todd and half like Swamp When do Witch. you get that? I'm pretty sure they talk about it in two because you get to see Kane Hodder's butt as he's slamming some chick. No, you don't get to see his butt. You see him thrusting and busting on a kitchen counter and cry, which is something I didn't think I would see Kane Hodder do, but it's good dude has it in his acting wheelhouse. I don't remember Kane Hodder crimaxing. I don't remember that scene in Hatchet Fucking, 2. What did you just say? Crimaxing. Crimaxing. Okay. Is that the, the signature, you know, it's what it called when you do it? When you fuck and you cry, when you come and cry, crimaxing. That's a first. All right, Chief, go ahead. Back. All to right. You. Well, I didn't know that. I, uh, the more you know. Yeah. Well, we'll look into it. Yeah. You're but up on. until this point, yeah. Tony Todd's the only black slasher. But even then, think about it. Even if Victor Crowley came along and is half black, right? That's still only two. Yeah, dude. You know what? Um, let's research this. The slasher aspect a little better, and we'll get back to it. I'm sorry, go ahead, Chief. So even if none of this was I'm new, sorry, shit, go ahead. There we go. Even if none of this was new, right? If this, 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 they have black actors playing black slashers, no big deal. I would still be seeing the praise of this movie due to it being so stunning. But you have a chilling performance by Tony Todd, even with the relatively low amount of gore and murder that you see on screen compared to most slashers from the late '80s and early '90s. Candyman himself stands out as such a terrifying figure he was something that everybody talked about when we were kids right when you talked about oh friday the 13th the nightmare on elm street you everybody always said shit like just see candy man don't say his name don't say like everybody fucking knew about it when we were kids and that itself is its own fucking legend he is absolutely terrifying even though there are larger franchises in the horror genre that are still even around to this day you ask somebody who grew up in the 80s and 90s if they seen Candyman, and those in the know always answer with the hearty hell yeah rating nine dicks in a toilet out of ten would you say hell yeah or would you say hell yeah i'm the one that you wanted hell yeah i'm a super beasto <laughs> That murdered my throat. <laughs> uh, would you take a scabby Helen spinoff? Would we get Madsen back? Probably not. Now I don't know. She she still looks okay. She's not like destroyed. I, they, it's Hollywood. They recast her. I yeah. I take it absolutely. Take you in the butt. I'm interested to see where this new one goes. Oh, dude, I'm fucking pumped. So we just should we just kind of shoot and think what the movie's gonna be about? I mean. I, I I don't want to. I don't want to overthink it because this one, like you said, right? It's for you. It's perfect. And like I've pointed out, it's it's so unique. It's not overly like gratifying in the gore, but like he's so fucking terrifying. Tony Todd's fucking presence is just. I mean, it's unnerving. I I, I wouldn't want to. I don't want to know what it's about. I really want to go into this one super surprised. It's like knowing what's going to happen in one of those Avengers movies. I want to, or like the new Star Wars. I want to fucking stay off the internet. Do not spoil it for me. I don't want to know. I want to go in fresh. All right. What if I told and you a virgin? What if I told you it was actually a spinoff of Jerry Seinfeld's a B movie, and that the RZA was going to do the soundtrack? I'd still see it. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> Candyman, what are we going to kill today? It's just like, shut the fuck up. 
God. I need to have my goth <laughs> slam poetry. What's with all these bees? I mean, oh, and I was going to make a really bad Austin Powers joke, but uh, I'll behave. Ha <laughs> ha, fucking done. All right. <laughs> Uh, uh, before we go, we just want to say, hey, thank you again for listening. Make sure you check us out at HereComesTheSpooky.com. We're also on social media. We've got a Patreon you can find us on where you can join the Spooky Squad. Uh, we want to thank Gentle Ben for being a member of the Spooky Squad. We've Thanks, got several members, but uh, Gentle Ben, we really appreciate you. Uh, Allie and Aaron also as well. Thank you so much for being Huzzah! a part of the Spooky Squad. So definitely check us out. Uh, the more patrons we get, the more that we can support the show and we can afford these new fancy equipment, like things that do this. This is currently on loan. Uh, we don't, we can't afford one ourselves, but we get to keep it for a little bit. All right, I've been sniffing the buttons. Right? So, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, with a Valentine's Day movie for y'all, possibly in 3D, if we can if we can swing it. Mm, maybe. So, uh, this is kind of a Valentine's Day episode as well. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, it's a love story. I choo choo choose this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I uh, appreciate everybody uh, checking us out. Thanks for listening. And remember to always. Stay, Stay spooky! spooky!